1: Welcome to a special Showrunner Spotlight edition of TV's Top 5, the Hollywood Reporter's TV podcast. I'm Leslie Goldberg, West Coast TV editor, and I'm joined as usual by Dan Feinberg, THR's chief TV critic. This is a bonus edition of our weekly podcast, time to the season one finale of one of my favorite new shows, Showtime's Yellow Jackets.
2: Creators Ashley Lyle and her husband, Bart Nickerson, previously joined us in episode 145 in mid-November to preview what to expect from their haunting Showtime drama that we joked was a mixture of Lilith Fair and Lord of the Flies.
1: Ashley and Bart are joining us here again to break down the batshit crazy season one finale, respond to numerous fan theories about the series, and so much more about what to expect from the previously announced second season of Yellow Jackets. So consider this your spoiler alert if you haven't watched the January 16th season one finale yet. Here we go.
2: Showrunner spotlight.
1: Thanks for joining us again, Ashley and Bart, and congratulations on the success of Yellow Jackets. Thank you so much. It's really good to be back.
3: Yeah, thanks so much.
1: And, you know, if you haven't already taken the BuzzFeed quiz, let me just start by saying I'm a gnat. So um, (laughs) did you guys take the quiz? Who are you? Which yellow jacket are you? Oh, we took
0: the quiz. We my my text messages are nothing but people's quiz results right now, which I, I encourage wholeheartedly. I am a Misty. Um, not only am I a Misty, but I tried taking it multiple times and I answered it different ways and I always got Misty and I don't know what that means.
3: Wow. <laughs> I also took it, I came back uh, a Lottie, which just was really just like a year maker for me where I was just like, this is, this is how I want the world to see me. And uh, so
0: the craziest part is but I don't know anyone else who's gotten Lottie. And now we've got a sample size of at least 30 people, no other Lotties, which feels really appropriate. There can be only one.
2: Now, one thing I thought was interesting about the quiz is that the descriptions of who you ended up being, they're all based kind of on how the characters see themselves. And I thought that was interesting because it's about the most generous description of Misty and her motivations imaginable. I'm curious, do you guys think you would have gotten something different if it had been based on how other people see the characters?
1: I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Dan. Who did you get? I haven't done it yet.
3: I, I'm going to do it the second we get off of this oh, podcast. You I have
2: promise.
0: Now you have to keep us posted.
3: Yeah, please. Yeah, but like, no, I, like, uh, I agree. That was a really cool feature uh, 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 of kind of test because, yeah, because at first when uh, uh, kind of Ashley came up as Misty, I was just like. Uh oh, like, you know, <laughs> but, but but then but then I but, you know, but then I read the character description. and I was just like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Like you are a mystique. Like this is adorable.
1: <laughs> so, you know, obviously, congratulations on the on the big season. You, you know, I want to get into a lot of the spoilers. But before we get into the events of the season finale and and the billions of theories that I feel like have popped up on Reddit and everywhere else when do you guys begin production on season two and when can viewers expect the new season? That is
0: a great question that I don't feel like I can give an absolutely concrete answer to yet, but we're hoping that it won't be too terribly long of a delay. Um, you know, obviously with production, any number of things can happen and the world has been a fairly tumultuous place lately. Um, I will say that we are diving into the writer's room, um, essentially, Starting that process now. So um, we're we're ready to roll. We are um full speed ahead on season two.
1: I I hear that you're getting a lot of interest in writers wanting to join the room for season two. A, A lot. We are, yes, which is obviously incredibly
0: gratifying because you know, writers tend to write for other writers, most of all. Um and so to know that writers are excited about it is is just worms are are cold black hearts. But, um, you know, at the same time, we, we have a really talented group of writers um, from season one who we adore. So we're really just looking to, to expand a little bit and, and, and fill that in as opposed to, you know, we're, we're very excited about the brains that we already have available to us.
1: You know, and now before we get into the specifics of the finale, can you guys just maybe respond or weigh in to what is perhaps the biggest question surrounding the show? Is there a supernatural component to Yellow Jackets? (laughs) I didn't think that you were to say that that was the biggest question, honestly. (laughs) At least it is for me. Yeah,
3: well, and I mean, it is a hard question uh, 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 to answer because um, in some ways, you know, like I feel like part of the question back is like, uh, what does it mean for something to be supernatural or uh, what does it mean for something to be real? People have uh, um, experiences that are sort of like beyond what we would call like normal uh, kind of reality. And like what exactly those experiences are is something that uh, you could debate. Like, uh, you know, some people call it a a kind of religious experience. Uh, Some people would call it psychosis. And, you know, there are um, interpretations that sort of like vacillate between those two things. And so, What exactly is happening is as much about the character and I think maybe uh, uh, the audience's sort of like belief system, however it may shift or change, as it is about what is like actually happening, quote unquote.
2: (laughs) Great, great circular (laughs) answer. (laughs) (laughs) This
1: is a really good dog part. I love it.
3: Yeah. I am the artful dodger. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, so let's get into the events of the finale here. So you it, it's a really a jam-packed episode. So and again, spoilers for those who are listening who haven't watched the finale yet. This is going to get extremely spoilery very very quickly. Okay, ready? Here we go. So first of all, Jackie froze to death after a fight with Shauna and the team. Lottie, AKA the antler queen killed a bear. And yet another one of her premonitions came true as she helped kind of feed, you know, the team that was very, very hungry. Adult Natalie is kidnapped by people wearing the symbol and Lottie is somehow involved. Like my my brain is exploding. And then, you know, there's so many questions that I have just off the bat, but did you always know that this was how Jackie was going to die or were there other possibilities? And, Even before you answer that, can you actually confirm that she's dead? This is a a, a very, very tricky show.
3: Yeah, it is a very tricky show. I mean, uh, like, I'm just going to go ahead and confirm that she is dead. We very early on knew that she was going to die. Like, uh, that was actually like a part of the pitch. We really wanted a sort of profound kind of emotional loss. And also, like, uh, like, uh, Jackie from the very beginning was sort of like a character that we sort of Saw as someone who had like in a lot of ways been very sort of like a symbolic of home of the place they came from, of a, a kind of society, this person that was like deeply shaped by it. And to sort of have that kind of fall away at the end of the first season to sort of give like a line of uh, a demarcation of where they are, you know, truly beginning to uh, uh, recreate their uh, uh, norms and like their own little society which is something that we had very early, the specifics of how the death happened were something that emerged uh, uh, through the season.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the 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 macro of it very much stayed. A little bit of the detail work um, changed and evolved, but I do very specifically remember when we pitched this and, and we had like a 35-minute word-for-word scripted pitch because we are nothing if not thorough. Um, I think the last sentence of the pitch was, you know, and as the first snowfall, you know, as, as the first snow begins to fall, we end season one of Yellow Jacket. So that that very much was an image that we had in our minds from the get-go. Um, so yeah, a lot of things, you know, kind of evolved and changed to some extent or another, but that was that was one thing. Jackie's death was something that we always knew going in, and we had, we had a lot of discussions around her death. Um, we talked about The short story to build a fire, we talked about, um, there's this great Stephen King story, um, that we talked about throughout kind of the, the end of the season. It's called, oh my gosh, it's such, it's, I feel like most of his story titles are so straightforward. It's called that feeling that you can only say in French, I believe. And I might have, have messed that up a little bit. Um, and then we talked about an occurrence at Elk Creek Bridge by Stephen Ambrose and so we, we always wanted to play very much with, you know, the, the consequences of, you know, this, this fight that's been brewing between Jackie and Shauna over the course of the season, the dissolution of, of their friendship. Um, and we wanted to create a circumstance where because the stakes are so high where they are, they, they don't have that chance to repair it the way that they might have been able to where they back at home. Um, so we we felt like there was something just inevitable to us about her death and this form of her death. And, and it was a little bit of a North Star for us throughout um, the
1: course of the first season. So will Ella Purnell be back?
0: I will say this may not be the last. I mean, Jackie is a character who, as we even saw over the course of the first season, looms large over everyone else's lives, you know, particularly Shauna's. And I don't know that that will necessarily change. Um, so... It's another dodging answer. There you go. (laughs) Just just dodging right and left here. But, you know, I I think that um, there's certainly um, a good chance that we will see her a little bit more.
3: Yeah, no, and I I mean, like, but it's also hard because, like, yeah, like, uh, sorry to to be so uh, uh, kind of dodgy, but, like, you know, like, uh, part of it is that, like, we pitched a multi-season plan that we are, like, on track for. But, you know, so many of the details with how those – you know, sort of like a larger plans and signposts, like how they actually come together. Like it's something that, you know, shifts and changes based, you know, on like a million factors, both creative and kind of practical. And I guess like I and we are like just sort of uh, worried at times about ever talking about something that like uh, maybe changes and then uh, uh, diminishes uh, what's there because there was uh, the expectation around it being a different thing. Cause like, I know that's like a thing that we have to guard against ourselves because uh, sometimes you have a plan that you want it to go a certain way and you can get hung up on what it, like you thought it was supposed to be or uh, what you had hoped it would be as opposed to like, like fully appreciating or engaging with what's there. And so like, I think maybe that's where some of the like, like uh, not wanting to commit before we know it's going to be the thing.
2: To me, Jackie's death and everybody's complicity in it, it feels like a different sort of tragedy for a show that has had, you know, ample tragedy already. But these characters have done bad and selfish things, but this is something they're going to have to live with in a different way. It's something that may be to some degree irredeemable. As you set this up as a dramatic touchstone, what do you see as being the challenges of working your way out of this corner on an emotional level, what this would do to the characters who were involved with
0: it. You know, it's interesting that you describe it as potentially irredeemable because I, I personally see it as something that is, um, you know, obviously a, a terrible weight that's going to weigh on everybody's conscience and potentially their souls. And yet I also see it as very forgivable in that I understand from my perspective, I understand what happened. You know, it, it wasn't intentional. And I think that that for me is the the linchpin. You know, nobody intended for Jackie to die. And yet it was utterly avoidable and preventable. And so I think that, that the nuance, the, the sort of gray area that that occupies um, and what that means for our characters moving forward, it, it just gives us so much to explore in terms of the complexity of the characters and their psyches.
3: Yeah. And I mean, like a thing that like, I'm like also keen to explore through this is also how much of, you know, because like to have a moment uh, like that, where you come out onto a porch and you see a friend of yours like died in this way that was very preventable. And, you know, like you wouldn't have really thought that she was like uh, walking into such a sort of compromised, uh, dangerous uh, kind of situation to have the stakes that you're currently operating uh, kind of under just really hammered home in that way. Like, how much of your first kind of reaction is actually purely selfish and just about like your own safety and your own uh, preservation. And what are the ramifications of that for you as a person? Because I think we all like have this um, maybe like a uh, fantasy of, of kind of ourselves that, you know, let, like uh, we would think about other people in like a certain way or, you know, have this more sort of like community based uh, kind of reaction to things like sort of like seeing how people sort of uh, negotiate the personal with the group in terms of like around a tragedy like this, I think it'll be a a kind of a fun thing to play with.
2: Is this something that Melanie had to know from the beginning, specifically, not just that Jackie was dead, but her specific role in it. Mm
0: -hmm. She did. We, we told her about this very early on. Um, It felt very important to her and very important to us um, that it inform her her journey throughout the first season, in particular because of some of what happens in you know episode four and episode five when she's sort of haunted by Jackie. Um, she felt that she really needed to know what her role was in Jackie's death, and so we told her pretty early.
2: Did it extend to the other adult actresses, or or only did only Melanie really need to know that?
0: Oh, gossip gets around a film set, my friend. <laughs> They're all telling each other everything as I understand it. Um, everyone was on a Marco Polo together. I I don't fully know what Marco Polo is, but I think it's like a video version of WhatsApp from what I can gather. And so I know in particular, Melanie and Tani and Christina and, um, uh, uh, Juliet were on this Marco Polo together and sharing theories and sharing information when they had it. And so, uh, I'm guessing that, that, that got around, although the, the crew didn't know for a while. And of course they were very interested in spoilers and sometimes would give them stuff. And sometimes they would say, well, you're going to find out, just wait and see.
3: <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, it can be like a tricky thing to sort of uh, navigate sometimes because you know, like not all the cast like want to know uh, what's going to happen just in terms of their process. Like, because you know, the way that they work, like uh, a Tawny, um, in particular, like she only wants to know what Thaisa knows right now. Like, this is how her process works. Like, and, you know, so it's like trying to be sort of uh, mindful of that. And like, uh, uh, navigate as where uh, 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 some people want to know, you know, things that you will never see or get to, because it just helps them to sort of shape their performance. And so, you know, it's a lot like, it's like a lot of different processes that also uh, uh, I kind of have to come together that you're trying uh, to navigate.
2: Well, given that you started off with a multi-season plan, and so you presumably know some of these key details going forward. Are there things that some of the actresses know already that we haven't got to on the show, but that you knew that they needed to know to craft the characters?
0: It's a bit of a mixed bag. There are a few things that they do know, and there are a few things that they don't know. Um, So, (laughs) you know, we do try to, as Bart said, be respectful of their process without, you know, as Bart also said, Making promises that we may not end up keeping because you know we we do need to be flexible creatively you know we always think of of our plan as the the sort of skeleton and um, you know it, it can it can change you know oftentimes and particularly in season one you know certain things did change but largely we stuck to the plan but you'd never want to put yourself or your actors in a position where you've said one thing and then all of a sudden they're going, what the hell? I just read this. <laughs> what, what, what happened here? So, you know, we just want to make sure that we're always giving them, you know, accurate information above all.
3: One of the things that we try to, to do is, you know, to have an approach that is like also sort of flexible and uh, kind of open. But, you know, it's like, you know, like, I guess it almost ties back to like what you think about the supernatural. Like, I guess there's a part of me that's like, Uh, maybe I'm not like uh, dodging as much as I thought I was, because I think that the question is like, for some of this, like uh, what do you believe? It's like, I uh, like to believe that, you know, the story and like what the show like wants to be is a thing and that we're not changing it and sculpting it and shaping it as much as kind of discovering it. And so it's like, uh, maybe something doesn't change just becomes what it was supposed to be. Now that could be, Utter hooey. Like, I don't know, but <laughs> it helps me to uh, navigate, you know, like a chaotic process. So like there are things that change because that's sometimes the best stuff. And like, is it a happy accident? Um, is it the design? You know, sometimes you don't have time to even think about it. It's just like, oh, my God, like, this is so great. I'm glad that happened.
0: I think a great example, a, a great example is that when we originally conceived of the show and were first pitching it. Laura Lee was actually meant to die in the plane crash. And, um, you know, we, we thought that there was something kind of deliciously ironic about the one believer um, being the only one who sort of wasn't spared and then the rest of the girls really starting to question, you know, was she the sort of victim here or was she actually spared from an even larger kind of catastrophe or um, traumatic experience? And then we shot the pilot and Jane was just such a delight. And we realized that, you know, her character wanted to play a bigger part in the course of the first season. And so had we gone in, you know, saying, well, guess what, Jane, you're dying too. It would have probably not gone great. So, you know, that's why you have to have a little bit of flexibility and you don't want to be, you know, telling everybody anything until you're damn sure that that's what the story is going to be.
2: So one last thing within the discussion of the death and Jackie's death and who knows what should we assume that Jeff knows and that it just hasn't come up as a conversation point yet but it's lingering
1: I mean he did read her Shauna's journals he he did read the
0: journals he did right? yeah so i think it's safe to assume that he has some awareness of of what we've seen and what's transpired but then the question becomes you know
1: was Shauna Um, a reliable narrator in her own journal.
2: Fair fair enough.
1: (laughs) So in terms of other things from the finale, Lottie, we learned that Lottie survives the wilderness. Have you already cast the adult Lottie? And if not, what are you looking for from from that actress?
3: Uh, We have not cast uh, the adult Lottie yet. And, you know, I I think we're uh, looking for from From that, you know, uh, uh, kind of actor, what we, you know, have found in, like, uh, the rest of our cast is, you know, uh, someone that can play sort of, like, a lot of uh, of levels, often kind of contradictory, like, just very skillfully and uh, kind of organically. Because, like, I think that a lot of what we're really proud of in kind of the show is that stuff. Like, the way that it can shift tones, the way that it can shift colors, the way that you know, there is so much kind of subtext that is like uh, uh, rendered so full in uh, on each of the scenes with a cast, you know, that can just handle all of that to, uh, uh, you, know, you know, to have somebody that fits uh, uh, right in with that, I think is, for me, uh, 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 the number one thing.
1: Have you seen some of the, the speculation or casting suggestions online? I think one of them is Jordana Brewster. I've definitely seen a lot of the casting speculation. Um, I feel so badly
0: for everyone who had just brilliant ideas about adult Jackie. <laughs> I was looking at my head and being like, "Oh man, you're right. That would have been good." Um, but you know, I, I think it's going to be a, a unique challenge trying to match Courtney Eaton. Um, she's so talented, but she's also such a unique presence on our show. Um, and as we've sort of said before, when we're casting, I think the essence of the person is the thing that we're looking at the most. Um, at the same time, I think that Lottie is someone who has probably evolved, um, in maybe a different way than some of the adult survivors that we've seen before. So I think that gives us a little bit of of latitude, um, and a little bit of latitude for an actress to come in and, and make that role her own a little bit as well. But, um... You know, it, it'll just be an interesting challenge. It always, always is. And now we're just back
1: here again. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in, yeah. in terms of, of, you know, the rest of, of Lottie's storyline, have you guys spoken with consultants about, you know, the, her mental health storyline and, and the impact of going off medication has, you know, especially in, in the wake of a trauma like a like this plane crash and what the, they're all going through and seeing their friends and teammates die? Um, and then if you, can you just weigh in, is she really clairvoyant?
0: Well, we, we did consult a little bit, you know, we want to be respectful of, um, you know, any time that we're, you know, kind of dealing with something that could arguably be a mental illness. And so, you know, we certainly never wanted to go down the path, um, that I feel like in the past, you know, shows or movies might've been just sort of less aware of the repercussions of this. And, and, you know, sometimes you'd see mentally ill characters really sort of villainized and that is not our intention here. So I think that again, you know, I I hate to keep (laughs) beating the same drum, but you know, I feel like there have been so many figures in the course of history where this question, you know, was this mental illness, especially now with the hindsight of sort of modern science or was this something that we genuinely can't explain some sort of phenomena? I mean, you know, it's it's something that's discussed with Joan of Arc. It's something that's discussed with all, all sorts of people throughout history. And that was just something that really intrigued us. And I think what's interesting to me about the world we live in right now is that there's a, a really pervasive skepticism. You know, somebody like Lottie, had she been alive, you know, several hundred years ago, might have... People might have reacted to her in a very different way than they might now. And I think that that, that skepticism and that that desire to explain things away that can't be explained, or to just, you know, treat everything as something that you can take a pill and, and cure is is interesting because that's for the majority of human history wasn't how um, someone like Lottie would have been sort of reacted to and interpreted.
3: Yeah, you know, because, and I think a part of it also comes back to this question, like, what does it even mean for something to be real, you know, in a lot of sort of new age uh, kind of contexts, like I've noticed that, you know, uh, like, like you're seeing people that maybe 10 or 20 years ago would refer to themselves as uh, uh, kind of psychics, uh, referring themselves as uh, uh, kind of intuitives, right? And so uh, I was this idea of what is actually happening in sort of the space between, the person, you know, that sees something and the person who is there for some uh, kind of advice. And, you know, I would say that we know in the present day storyline that uh, a has like these followers, you know, and like that uh, we will be seeing the sort of, you know, at least the kernels of that sort of like starting to grow in the 96 storyline. And all of that happens and is going to happen because uh, a Lottie develops and has um, an ability to sort of like facilitate urgent, powerful uh, kind of experiences in people that are around her. And what uh, uh, the mechanism by which she's able to do that is, again, I think is one that uh, you can interpret like, and I guess I'm starting to suspect like uh, maybe I didn't dodge that first question. Like uh, uh, maybe like it's emerged that like, like the answer is, Like, I don't know because I don't know uh, what these experiences are. And, you know, and like part of what we're trying to like grapple with kind of is that, I think.
2: I think it's interesting, Ashley, that you say that we live in a time of pervasive skepticism. I feel like we live in a time equally of pervasive credulity. I think that probably you're just as likely to find people who will believe anything as people who won't believe anything at all. Um, I'm curious. So with Lottie becoming kind of a guru and almost a cult leader, were you guys obsessed a couple of years ago with the Nexium documentaries and with all of the various, the run of cult documentaries that popped up everywhere two years ago?
0: We absolutely were. Um, I think we've listened to all the podcasts. Um, There's even, there's a podcast, I think it's a podcast called Cult's that is like every cult that's ever existed. And that is how I go to sleep at night. I listen to that. So (laughs) I think it's fair to say.
3: Yeah, I'm in high school. I was actually voted uh, most likely to join a cult. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, my, my mother was actually a little upset recently because one of the, she lives down in Florida and one of the women in her Mahjong group asked her very seriously, apparently, if if Bart and I belonged to a cult. And she did not know what to do with that.
3: Wait, you didn't tell me this. When did that happen?
0: That I don't, it happened a couple, like, I don't know, a month ago, maybe. She was like, I just thought that was an inappropriate question. So that was her reaction. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Was it was it one of those sort of creepy, you know, people who think that Hollywood is generally a cult kind of things where they want to know if you're eating babies or something or something else?
0: I think so. I think she wanted to know if we were part of the the infamous Hollywood baby eating ring. So um, if anyone's curious, the answer is no, Uh, (laughs) you're not,
3: which is what you would say.
0: <laughs> I
2: mean, all, the, all things considered, I find it a little disturbing that your mother didn't know what to say in that circumstance. I feel like the answer really should be kind of cut and dry on that one.
1: <laughs> and, and yet, I mean, if we're talking about baby eating here, I mean, let we can we can do the math here. You know, in the present day storyline, Shauna's daughter, Shauna and Jeff's daughter, is a teenager that doesn't really add up with the 25th anniversary of the crash. Something happens to Shauna's baby in the 90s storyline. We walked right into that, didn't we? You sure did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i say no compliment.
3: This is where we were supposed to walk the whole time, so. actually. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, we've certainly seen those theories. Um, you know, I, I guess I would say that just from a purely practical standpoint, a baby doesn't seem like a great source of, of sustainable nutrition. Um, so, so there's that. Um, but you know, the, obviously the question of what happens to Shauna's baby is, is something that, uh, we have presented and it is a question that we will eventually answer. Yeah, no,
1: that's I like daunting. that
2: because I'm pretty. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Our he- I'm pretty sure our headline to this is Ashley Lyle colon a baby doesn't seem like a good source of nutrition, <laughs> and we can just go from there. No, for and sure. We're not yeah. In yeah. A no, yeah. that is a.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a poll quote that, yeah, I am yes. really in awe. Wait, sorry, of. possible just, just cult incredible.
2: member Ashley Lyle says, colon.
0: <laughs> I mean, why, would you, why be in a cult when you can start one? That's, that's all we have to say about this.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think you kind of have with the, with the Yellow Jackets no. fandom, so if we're talking about some of these other other characters, you know, in the finale, I have to admit, I was extremely worried about Natalie, you know, in, in the the end of the episode, she's seconds away from from suicide when she's kidnapped. How con- how concerned should viewers be about her kidnappers and Lottie's involvement in it?
3: I yeah, I mean, I think they should be uh, very concerned. I mean, like, uh, kind of also, I mean, like that scene, I mean, uh, Juliet Lewis just I mean, that was incredible. Like, you know, to like, uh, you know, like just, just a unguarded, fearless piece of uh, kind of acting. Yeah, but like, I guess it maybe sounds trite to say, but like, I think that if you care about these characters the way that uh, we do, like I used to be very concerned about all of them because I mean, you know, there, there is a kind of a reckoning coming for all of them with the sort of unexpressed uh, kind of emotions and traumas Uh, of their past Uh, that's coming.
1: You know, the finale also reveals that Thaisa may have made her own sacrifice to win the election. We see her, her wife, her estranged wife discover this, this creepy, disgusting altar with the symbol and the head of their dog as a dog owner. That is very hard to watch. Um, how much are you playing with the ideas here of, of faith and belief? You know, we've seen in this, you know, in the season that, you know, Ty isn't exactly a big believer of Lottie in the 90s timeline. And you've seen other things like, you know, Jackie doesn't give thanks, you know, for the bear that feeds them. And then the same night, the day after everyone slept outside completely fine after the doom coming with no blankets, Jackie dies. Plus, you know, we, we also have seen Lottie offer the bear's heart as a sacrifice to, in the altar that, that she seems to craft as well. I mean, the idea of belief of, of what we
0: choose to believe in or not believe in has always been sort of our, our guiding theme for the show. It feels, it just feels so relevant and, and timeless. Um, you know, how do we shape a belief system? How does that change our behavior? How does it influence what we are and are not willing to do? And I think that, to our minds, you know, it's not necessarily about any specific religiosity, but I think that throughout cultures and throughout time, it's been such an insanely formative part of of human society. And so to take these characters and in a really personal way, examine their own belief system, um, you know, with Thaisa in particular, we thought it would be a really interesting journey for her you know, she she starts the season as, um, you know, she sort of begins as the most skeptical of the group. You know, she's sort of a a self-proclaimed atheist, really, and so we thought that you know, seeing how somebody might have that that really fundamentally and closely held, you know part of themselves, a self-defining characteristic, um, challenged and then eventually swayed over the course of a series. We just thought that would be a really interesting journey to take a character on. And so I think that, you know, what what you do and do not believe in, particularly in the wilderness, is going to really play a central role in season two.
3: Yeah, because like, you know, I think there's kind of like a kind of interesting question around, you know, to what extent I kind of believe um, is even your choice, you know, because like, Just to draw like a a, a kind of an analogy here, you know, is like there are times that, you know, I or people will have a sort of uh, um, emotional uh, kind of reaction to something. Uh, Something hurts your feelings or it makes you feel kind of elated or it makes you feel some kind of way. And then you'll sit down with one of your friends and they'll try to give you a perspective like, well, I mean, things could be worse or like it could be this or that. And it's just like they're a thousand percent right. But also like that's not exactly like able to touch the emotional experience uh, that I'm having. I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong. I'm just saying that sort of thought out context isn't always the most useful in processing emotions. And so like this idea of like belief as almost a sort of like, like emotional state that might not be entirely uh, uh, kind of up to you, that you can have a sort of, you know, uh, like a deeply analytical grounding that w- that, that thinks the world is a certain way, but that there can be like this other part of you or, or kind of capacity. And what would that conflict uh, uh, kind of look like? And how would that play out is something else that we'd like to explore.
2: We, we talked earlier about the question of whether the girls in their situation with Jackie's death was an irredeemable situation. Um, if, Tysa killed her dog and put her and put the dog on an altar for a sacrifice. Does that become something that's irredeemable? Because I feel like Peta is going to be watching this finale and and they're going to have things to say about treatment of dogs, treatment of bears, etc. Yeah, <laughs> treatment, I, of so,
1: <laughs> treatment of humans. Treatment
0: of humans.
2: Peta doesn't care so much about that, honestly. do
0: not seem to. Um, You know, the the great irony here is that Bart and I are just extreme animal lovers. We have so many pets. We have two dogs. We have two cats. Um, You know, Grover, who is actually sitting right in front of you right now, bears more than a passing resemblance to Biscuit, which is um, really unfortunate. But, um, you know, I think that the animals also play, you know, just a really functional role in this world, um, at least in the wilderness, when we're talking about the deer, when we're talking about the bears. And then in terms of biscuit, I mean, the term precious things and sacrificing precious things came up quite a bit in the writer's room and, and the power that that can hold. I mean, you know, the idea of offerings and sacrifices is, again, as old as humans are, I believe, you know, and so I think that, it just felt right for this story, despite the, you know, the darkness of it to start playing in that world a little bit.
3: Yeah. And I mean, like, I would like to maybe uh, kind of separate the ideas of consequence punishment and uh, kind of responsibility from kind of redemption where it's like, I mean, like, I guess I believe that, you know, uh, a kind of redemption is always possible. That doesn't look like, you know, uh, it doesn't necessarily get you out of those first things that I mentioned. But like, I think that coming to terms with and like a radical change of your approach to life is always possible. So like, I guess I don't know that any of our characters will ever cross a line where they can no longer be uh, kind of redeemed. I think that they might've already crossed lines where they can be spared of like a punishment or a, a kind of reckoning of some kind. But I guess maybe- there's a part of me that wants to view those as like slightly different projects.
1: You know, one of the big things that the finale doesn't answer is if the yellow jackets are actually cannibals, you know, um, with Jackie's death, is this kind of a moment where we'll see some of the, of the team begin to consider and pardon the way this sounds, maybe not letting the body go to waste. I mean, it's funny to me
0: that are they cannibals is even a question at this point. I thought we were being fairly explicit in the pilot um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the question of ultimately what they resort to, um, will be explored further as we continue on with the show. Um, you know, I, to our minds and again, um, you know, we were hinting at this at the very least in the pilot, but it's not necessarily just about survival. Um, and so, you know, for all of those hungry cannibal fans out there, um, you know, I think hopefully it will be worth the wait and um, we will get
2: there. <laughs> it's the tricky nature of cannibalism, where if you eat one person, you're a cannibal for life. You can't undo that. It doesn't mean you're eating people every day or every week. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's a good. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. if Yeah. Like, like, it really does follow
1: you. I'm still laughing about the hungry cannibal fans pun. So, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, that' was really
2: good. But I, I, like I'm, it's the thing I'm wondering because you know you introduce it and sort and people latch onto the schoolgirl cannibal's aspect to it because it's juicy and fun. but mm-hmm. I do you know you you then don't want to become the show where they're eating each other for
3: dinner every episode. so <laughs> right yeah no yeah like yeah like uh, we don't want the the stakes of cannibalism to be to be completely. Used up. <laughs> That's what I'm saying.
2: Special, <laughs> special occasions only is my point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Very much a special occasion kind of thing. You know, the finale also did reintroduce Allie. You know, the, in the present day storyline. You know, she's obviously for our listeners the the uh, the yellow jacket who who had her knee broken by uh, Taisa and obviously doesn't go on the doomed flight. How much will Ally be prominently featured in season two? And is it fair to expect that we'll meet other surviving Yellow Jackets in season two and, and beyond? I will say,
0: you know, with the disclaimer that we've given for most things, you know, we don't want to make promises before anything um, is really made concrete, but I will say that Ally really entertained us um, in her appearances this season. She's a lot of fun. Um, the actress is, is a lot of fun. And um, so I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't the last that we've seen of Allie. In terms of other survivors, you know, we we certainly plant the flag at the end of the finale that that Lottie is lurking somewhere in the shadows and that we will uh, be meeting her in the near future. And, you know, ideally, we will meet, I think, probably at least one other is what I'll say.
2: Speaking of Ali, how many alts did you have for the source of her definition of reunion? Because I thought worddefinition.net was a brilliant source for a uh,
3: <laughs> for a definition <laughs> yeah. of reunion. I'm curious well, how many
2: you went through there.
3: <laughs> yeah, we did go through a few. Yeah, like that's like that's a very uh, kind of savvy question because yeah, it what, like it turns out there are a lot of them that are real. And so clearing it was like a uh, part of it, so oh, yeah. I, so I went. Were, I went
2: online. There's, a, there's a, there's a GoDaddy. Yeah. Uh, it's there, but it yeah. hasn't been purchased <laughs>
3: yet. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So there were a few uh, kind of alts, but I mean, um, I think that you know the one it was supposed to be is the one that it was, and <laughs> it's my favorite. It's so good.
0: It was. It was just so entertaining as we were trying clearances on a number of them. And, you know, we had to just keep getting more and more ridiculous to find something that was legally clear because it wasn't a real website. And we started to realize that the more ridiculous it was, the funnier it was. And so it was just sort of a a great confluence of sort of actual practical concerns and um, creative, a spark of uh, accidental creative brilliance, I think.
2: Well, is that a situation where you actually try to get Webster to let you do it and Webster says no for some
3: reason or did you not want to do that?
0: Yes. I mean, I think we started with just dictionary.com and they were like, absolutely not.
3: (laughs) Yeah, no, (laughs) no, like, I mean, like, apparently there was like a very big case where it was like, uh, somebody online was using the definitions of, I forget if it was like a kind of Webster's, but like, like, uh, they were just like, you know, uh, basically uh, cutting and pasting them. Um, And then the dictionary that was getting copied to catch them, actually, like, put a few fake words that they made up with fake uh, definitions. And then uh, when the, when those started to show up on uh, kind of websites, like, uh, that was, like, the smoking gun. And apparently it was, like, a big case in uh, uh, copyright law. And it was just like, whoa, this is a lot to learn as we're just trying to clear a website. But um, – <laughs> that's show running
0: (laughs) because not only could we not use a real website but we couldn't use a real published definition of the word yeah we had to actually make up our own and so we again just realized we would lean into something that was as as ridiculous as humanly possible
1: Um, I I do want to go back and ask about a few more theories because this is the way my mind is working watching the show. Um, You know, we've got this character, the man with no eyes, who's featured in the opening credits. He's appeared to the young Thaisa as her grandmother was dying. Thaisa's son, Sammy, is drawing him. Then there's also the guy that Shauna sees in what I think was her dream in which he said that he was waiting for Jackie. And then beyond that, you've got Van saying that that she saw something when she was in the the quote-unquote in-between during the, I'm going to call it a purported wolf attack. What can you say about the commonalities that exist here?
0: I think that the commonalities that exist, let me take a stab at this, um, are that they are all an interpretation, I think, of what's happening Um, And again, you know, I I feel like we're circling right back into the whole supernatural, what is real conversation and the subjectivity of that. But, you know, I think it's no coincidence that Thaisa first sees the figure of the no-eyed man, um, you know, as her grandmother is seeing something and is describing something. And, you know, at that age, you're very impressionable. So, you know, the question really becomes, is that something that was a real presence who is there or is this something that her psyche, her subconscious has, has manifested. And ultimately what's the difference when it comes to, you know, how that affects her and how that's playing into her, you know, the decisions that she makes and the, the sort of worldview that she holds. And so I think, you know, in a different way, the, the man in the cabin, uh, um, you know, I, I think that the, the sequence of Jackie being brought in from the cold is, is maybe my favorite sequence that we did this season. Um, we, our goal going in was to make it as quote unquote Lynchian as possible. We wanted it to be really unsettling. Um, you know, we, we kind of joked that we were turning the cabin into the black lodge for one night only. But uh, <laughs> I think that again, you know, we, we wanted to leave open a little bit of interpretation you know, was this Jackie's death experience? Was it real? Is this Shauna's dream? Is this her interpretation? You know, is there something going on? It's all, you know, at this point, at least up for debate. And I think that to my mind, as a viewer of, of genre things, like I always enjoy when there's just that little bit of uncertainty, that little bit of an unsettling quality, um, You know, I think that The Shining is a great example of that. You know, how much of it is is really happening and how much of it is Jack. And obviously, you know, you've got Danny and The Shine, but I think there's just enough room for interpretation that it it leaves you guessing. And I think it makes you think a little bit harder. Um, It gets under your skin a little bit more as opposed to when you watch something where there's just a monster that's there.
2: Well, I I know it's a, a luxury problem or opportunity to have to be analyzing how people are analyzing your show, but what aspects of how fans have latched onto the show have surprised and impressed you, and are there a couple things where you thought you were making a clue of some sort really, really obvious and nobody seems to have gotten it yet?
3: I have been surprised by the depth and the creativity that some people have gone to in their close readings of the show. Um, Like um, at some point, you know, I saw uh, screenshots of the closed caption uh, subtitles um, and like, you know, that there were like connections between that and sort of like theories about future plot points. And so the real depth of that has been surprising and just really cool, like, um, you know, to see how closely people are kind of like combing through this and um, all the data points they're using to make their theories.
0: I mean, I think that, that it's been really impressive and, and really exciting to watch people theorize. Um, there's been wild creativity um, sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, wow, you guys are going deep. I, I think the one that I was a little unsettled by was there was a fairly popular theory for a while that Adam was going to actually be Shauna's own baby. And I was like, "You guys, that's messed up." <laughs> and I say that as the self-professed baby-eating cult member. Apparently, um, I'm not. I should make very clear that is not true. But um, but yeah, that was that was a pretty wild one. Um, and there have been a couple of little things here and there that we did layer in that people haven't found, but I actually don't want to say them out loud because I, I want them to still find them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And, and each week there have been these, These weekly viral moments, whether it's most recently there was there was Misty hoovering up the uh, the cocaine off of the bed. And then, of course, last week there was what no book club, which was all anyone was tweeting for like (laughs) an entire day. How good have you guys been about anticipating what those moments were going to be and and watching and waiting to see if people were going to latch on to the same things you did?
3: I I mean, well, I guess to find uh, uh, kind of anticipating, I mean, I think a lot of the things have been things that we've become very uh, uh, kind of excited about uh, I'm internally, you know, with like the writers, but like there is like a bit of like a feedback thing there too, because it's just like, oh, this thing that is like a uh, uh, kind of exciting, like a bunch of people. Um, so I feel like we've been excited about a lot of stuff um, that I think would correlate well to like, sort of like a, a meme of the week, as you called it. A- Ash, uh, do you have the same kind of perception?
0: I do. I mean, I guess at first I didn't anticipate any of it because we really couldn't have predicted the response that the show has been getting in, in terms of you know, having these little viral moments. Um, but I do think that as, as the season has continued to air, we, we've caught on to how people are responding and how they're sort of engaging with it. So, I think there was a lot of anticipation going into episode nine with What There's No Book Club. You know, that was definitely one of our collective favorite moments. Warren Cole just absolutely nailed
1: it. Take after take was just fucking hilarious. Uh, so I know I know our time is running out here. Um, so to wrap up, I was hoping you could kind of uh, humor me. I have a number of theories. Let's can we do a lightning round here? lightning Yeah, sounds fun. I'm going to present a couple a couple of my favorites okay. or at least my theories. Is Adam the adult hobby? Adam is not the adult hobby. Wow. OK, um, was Thaisa the one who attacked Van instead of a wolf? Tayusa was not the one who attacked Van
0: instead of a wolf. I will say with that one.
1: Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the,
0: I, when we watched the cut, we immediately said, "Oh my god, it looks like she is going at Van!" Like I, I made this show, and I was like, yeah, no, I feel that she had just axe murdered Van. Um, and in part, that was that was a case of production. Um, we had the world's friendliest wolves on that set. They were. <laughs> They were doing nothing but wagging their tails and being adorable. And so there was a little bit of a production reality in terms of, you know, we, we tried to play that that the wolves were, once she went, you know, kind of ape shit on the one wolf, the, the rest of them were scared off. Um, but I can see how that theory took shape. I will say that. I can see how the hobby theory took shape as well. And, and you know, as part of the experiment of the show, our, our intention was to some extent, to to put the viewers fully in the mindset of our characters. And, you know, one thing about sort of trauma and PTSD is it, it really poisons the way you see the world, you know, in terms of paranoia, in terms of not being able to trust people. And so we it worked so much better than we anticipated. But but to some extent that what we were really intending was for people to question that relationship in the way that Shauna would be questioning that relationship, to get paranoid, to go down the rabbit hole. And so it, it was fun to watch people do that. I was genuinely shocked by how quickly and how definitively people latched onto the hobby theory.
3: Yeah, no, one of the big hopes for that was to, you know, make the audience uh, kind of complicit in uh, kind of Adam's death. And like, I think we, you know, like it seems like, like Adam has a lot of murderers now. Because, like, uh, people did really, like, just, like, uh, latch on to that in a perfect way.
1: Um, Really quick, I got got two more. Is Jackie a time traveler? Because the movies that are listed in her journal that Shauna reads when she visits her parents, they don't line up. There are movies that come out after her death.
3: Uh, uh, Jackie is not a time traveler.
1: She's, she is not a time uh, traveler. That's one that we
3: don't have to dodge. So yeah. was that
1: so was the, the journal in the movie thing, was that just like like a, a, a small detail that got through or? It was, you
0: know, to our minds. And, and again, we were sort of surprised by the extent to which people were really second guessing whether or not Jackie was dead, uh, because we were very explicitly saying that, that Jackie is dead. Um, you know, we, it's not something that we fully dramatized and, and we may explore it a little bit going forward, but to our minds, sort of the, the survivor's guilt that, that Shauna feels, um, especially once they are rescued is something that we would love to explore later on in the show. And I think that those things will hopefully tie together a little bit more neatly, uh, when
1: we get to that point. And, you know, wrapping things up, did someone signal the girls to lure them to the cabin?
3: Did someone, I think like, so I know this is supposed to be uh, a rapid fire, but uh, like, uh, uh, but I guess like question back would be to find someone.
1: Oh, I get it. I see what you're saying. We're we're coming full circle to my supernatural question that opened the. the Right. yeah. 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 Well, this is fantastic, guys. I I love the show. Thank you guys so much for for humoring me with all of my theories and all of our questions, and coming back and joining us a second time. Thank you so much for having us. This
0: yeah, has thank you so much. A
1: really good time.
2: This has been a special showrunner spotlight exclusive episode of TV's Top Five podcast. You can listen to our podcast that comes out every Friday on all of your various podcasting platforms. They also contain terrific showrunner spotlight interviews.